Welcome back to another episode of My Life in a Poem podcast. I am your host, Angelina, and on this podcast, we discuss poetry, codependency, trauma, healing, and the tea behind the poetry. So if you like all of that stuff, keep listening. Today's episode will be featuring an original piece called Respect. Respect is based on Aretha Franklin's story, movie, and song called Respect. Here we go. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. No, literally, turn the pages of my glossary, thumb to a definition and define it for me because I'm lost. Didn't realize my respect would cost so much I'm spent. Bent on shame and lost in Aretha's story of fame. Who knew a movie would highlight so much of my shame? It was as if the characters casting me from my theater seat, illuminating my daddy issues lights, filmed my childhood trauma camera, and covered it up with the success of a master degree action. Who passed my story along and played telephone with my secrets? I was coming to watch the movie and now the movie is watching me. Got me on the edge of my tears, falling down my cheeks, because I thought I was coming to see Aretha and I was really coming to see me. I, I mean, she was stuck with the father who was fatherless and men who mirrored his shadow. She drowned her sorrows in success, married two times over and died a natural woman. How could she sing that song with so much grace when age left her lonely and single? All I can see is me at that age. I felt sorry for her. I mean, I felt sorry for me. Had babies before she was done being a baby. Had to grow up all too fast. The good times never last. See, her story was one of a woman who let men make her choices. As they drowned her voice in their cologne and she rejoiced in Patron, why didn't the men just leave her alone? Why does she, I mean I, why do I allow partners to patrol my happiness? I let them mirror my father, never equipped to harbor or handle my presence. So they present me with presents wrapped in shortcomings. As they always fall too short and are always too short-lived, they go. That's the pattern. They always leave. All I can see is me and Aretha at 70 as I sit in the theater calculating that she died at three times my lifetime, which means I have 50 more years of uncertainty, 50 more years of wallowing in tears as I drive home alone from the movie theater. If you could think that drunk driving is hard, Try hyperventilating on your own salty waterfall as you try to operate a motor vehicle. And then imagine brittle breadcrumbs of misery you left from your car as you climbed two stories. It's a mystery you made it. But it's a mystery you displayed your disdain in a way that portrayed you to be a woman that held it together. As you preach, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. 
hoping that someone will literally teach you the definition of the word so you can finally get some respect when you get home. Every time I hear that poem, recite that poem, I just get chills. Man, I wrote that poem after bawling. I mean, just bawling in my apartment, in my room, all by myself. I had started a journey of self-dating and didn't even really know it was a thing until I Googled it and realized that self-dating is not, oh, I'm just going to get dressed up and go out today by myself or I'll buy myself lunch. No. Self-dating is literally setting a time, setting a date, setting a specific venue, and meeting that commitment for yourself. So, for example, that specific date that I had for myself was to go see Respect. I had gotten all dressed up, did my hair, did my makeup. I even did a TikTok over my self-dating experience. If you want to follow me on TikTok, it is at Rudy.Huxtable underscore. So I really do enjoy self-dating and I did enjoy self-dating. But on this date with myself, I really had a dose of reality. I was not expecting for that movie, Respect, to really hit me the way it did. And... After the movie, I was like, I sat in my car and I was like, I feel so triggered. Like, whew, this is a spoiler alert. So if you have not seen the movie Respect by Aretha Franklin and you plan on seeing it and you don't want the story to be spoiled for you, I recommend pausing this podcast and listening to it later. I'll give you a second. Okay, so for those of y'all still listening, oh my goodness, Aretha was so successful. That woman was just awesome, 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 and her dating life was trash. Not but, because that didn't take away from any of her successes or her being an awesome woman, and her dating life was trash. She chose men who beat her who put her down, who used her. It was a very codependent relationship. She needed them. They needed her. And she found herself constantly trying to please them. She ended up using alcohol and tried to take back her life in a way that was abusive to people around her. She just drank a lot and she put a lot of her energy into her success and into her music which worked for her, but also didn't work for her. Because you could tell throughout the movie that her mental health suffered. Now, I don't know if Aretha ever went to counseling or anything, but she went through a lot. And I was just like, wow, that's me. Like, my dating life sucks. My dad's in and out of my life. He's using whatever drug of choice has always been in and out of my life ever since I was a kid. 
And I think in some way I try to control my dating relationships and even my friendships by saying, if there's any inclination that this person is going to leave me, or if I see anything or any reason why this relationship might not work, I'm going to sabotage it because I'm not even going to give them the opportunity to leave me. I'll leave them. And I didn't realize that that pattern was something much deeper than what I just explained. Because I used to think, oh, I'm just zero tolerance. But what I didn't realize is that that's actually kind of a narcissistic trait I had. Because I used to make people feel responsible for my emotions. You made me mad. You made me do this. You're the reason why. And it's like, no, I had control, full control over my reaction, not my emotions. Emotions come and go. Thoughts come and go. Feelings come and go. We don't have complete control over that. But the way I react to a certain person is definitely within my control. And so I would just kind of use this coping technique to just kick people out of my life. But with Aretha, her dad ended up leaving her life or basically disowning her once she decided to follow her dreams and do the music she wanted to do, which was also in connection to a man she wanted to be with. So her dad was like, you're not living up to my expectations. I'm no longer taking care of you. And then the man she was with was it seemed like he was giving her an outlet so she can do what she wanted to do and do the music she wanted to do. But it was all a tactic for manipulation, and he ended up being abusive. So her dad was slightly abusive as well. Um, Aretha's dad put, it, put his hands on her. She went through so many relationships where men physically and verbally abused her until the point to where Aretha decided to become her own narcissist. Because that's where narcissism comes from, that trauma. So people like to think, oh, narcissists are just full of themselves. No, this is a coping technique they have developed due to severe trauma that they've encountered. And their world has never been about them. So their coping skill is to make my world about me. Aretha does this when she makes her world about her. She's going to do her music when she wants to do it. She's going to drink when she wants to drink. And a lot of famous people are actually narcissists. Now, is this Aretha's fault? No, nobody's blaming Aretha Franklin. What I'm saying is that I have personally displayed some of these characteristics in my relationships where I have made everything about me and it's my way or the highway. And this has been my response to my trauma. And narcissism is a spectrum. Just because you have some traits doesn't mean you're a complete diagnosed narcissist. But we all have some type of codependent traits and some type of narcissistic traits. And so just to be aware and to self-reflect on them is the only way you're going to change. There was this quote. Once I accept myself, then I change. And a lot of people think, oh, I accept myself. I love myself. I know who I am. You know, I'm just, I'm just no tolerance or I just have a bad temper. Okay, 
that's knowing facts but until you truly accept who you are and why you are the way you are you're not going to truly change because what you're doing is you're tolerating yourself you know you have these qualities about yourself and you're tolerating it but true acceptance is being able to admit the effect that your actions have on yourself and the others around you it's being able to truly accept yourself and the impact that you hold. And it's not until then that you can change. Because you've gone from tolerance to acceptance, which changes you, period. You are now changed. You can never be the same person that you were. For me, I always knew that I had these traits of it's my way or the highway, or I have a temper problem. However, it's not until I accept the fact that these are results of trauma. These are characteristics of narcissism that I then begin to understand myself and accept myself and show compassion to myself and then truly change. So this poem, Respect, oh my goodness, I just was so seen throughout this movie and it actually is what pushed me to actually go to therapy because I knew that I was triggered and I was seen. And actually through this self-dating, I felt like me self-dating was a response to how lonely I was. It wasn't me truly loving on myself. It was like, well, I'm stuck on myself, so might as well do something about it. <laughs> and it wasn't until I actually did some self-reflection and some really soul diving and just digging into why I, I am the way I am. And I feel like just learning about codependency and realizing that I don't have to get validation outside of myself. That's when I was truly able to say, you know, I don't have to have a friend. If I, For me, having a friend meant I'm worth being around. It means someone likes me. I'm worthy of friendship. That doesn't mean that for me anymore. Having a friend means I have someone that can validate me or can give me some emotional support. They're a tool. Everybody in your life, everything in your life is a tool. It cannot be the meaning of your existence. It cannot give you meaning. Your job, your religion, your faith, your family, they are all tools to give you some source of hope or validation money, whatever the case may be, they are tools. But the true validation God has already given you, it's within yourself. You don't, you don't need that from anywhere outside of yourself. And I feel like it wasn't until then when I just, they call it the awakening, when I was finally woken and I was like, man, I've been going through life and everything I'm doing, I'm doing it because I want validation. I'm in the social work field because I want to feel like I'm making a difference in the world. I buy gifts for my sisters because I want to feel like I'm a, I'm a good big sister. 
I stay in this friendship that I can't stand because who else will be there for her? Who else will be her friend? Who does that serve? <laughs> None of that serves me. So now when I go to the movies, when I do things for myself, guess what? It's because I want to. It's because this makes me happy. Of course, I get lonely. Now, I'm not going to sit here and lie like I don't get lonely. I live by myself. I live in a city where none of my friends live. I get lonely. But that is a part of life. <laughs> That's okay. My loneliness doesn't turn into hate for myself and hate for my life. It turns into this is a feeling. I'm experiencing it. What does it mean? Let's digest it. Let's see what I need. What do I need to give myself? Just like stress, just like hunger, just like anger. All of those emotions are indications to yourself that you need to give yourself something. It doesn't have to define you. So I just feel like respect is definitely my truth. They say you don't start writing poetry until you start telling the truth. And with that poem, I was being truthful about who I am and what I've been through and how I feel. And I think I'm far from becoming Aretha now. <laughs> but at the time of that poem, I was. And I'm not saying Aretha Franklin as the woman who died here a few years ago. I'm saying Aretha in that movie because Aretha has probably overcome so much. Like that movie can only show so much of her life. But the part that she was willing to share with us is a part that really resonated with me. And that poem will always resonate with me too because I want to be able to look back and say I was her. I can show her compassion. I can reparent her. Some things I can tell her are, yeah, you're tolerating yourself right now and things don't feel good and that's okay. You've been through things that should allow you to feel like things don't feel good. And right now, you don't have the tools to deal with them, but they're coming and they're out there. Those are some things I would have told myself. One thing that I like to practice with clients when I work in the social work field is telling them to say, I am suffering. Other people are suffering. May I be kind to myself? And that kind of reminds us that we're not the only people going through this. We're not the first. We're not the last. And just extend yourself some self-compassion. So I thank y'all for coming and listening to another episode of my Life in a Poem podcast. I hope this sits well with you. And I will see you guys again on another episode of my Life in a Poem podcast. Bye.